Lawyer Talk, special COVID-19 edition. We're in ultra lockdown, and, uh, you know, here we are in Ohio, and we are, uh, last night we got the order out of the governor that as of 9 tonight, all non-essential businesses are, 1159. or 11.59, non-essential businesses are uh, are out of Commission Closed. now. Legal is in commission. I'm I'm permitted to come to the office. Uh, we had this scheduled, and this may be the last uh, meeting that we have face to face. We are keeping our distance the best we can, uh, six feet away here in our studio, and we have looped in via Skype, uh, Dr. Pulaski. Uh, doctor, how you doing today? Uh, doing all right. Uh, he, he, given the scenario, uh, you're down in Kentucky, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, after those who listened last time, we 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 went through a bunch of uh, of inf- actually we, we pumped you for a bunch of information scientifically or otherwise about the virus and everything else, and uh, then you texted me and uh, said that uh, we had more to cover, and I thought, you know, what better way to uh, to do it than Skype and uh, uh, and here in our studio at the same time. So so what are you thinking? What are you seeing? What uh, what are your thoughts on this so far? Um, it's, uh, you know, again, we're kind of operating on the blind, but there's enough information there to, uh, at least make some estimates. And, um, you know, there's, there's 34,000 confirmed cases in the United States and, one of the things the United States, we're only testing those who are sick enough uh, to warrant a test because of the test shortage. And if you look at the, the data from China, at least, they found that about 14% of those who have it had symptoms severe enough uh, that they had to be hospitalized, right? So 14% went to the hospital. Right, or, or had, yeah, had uh, symptoms severe enough. Um, and since, you know, China was on, has been dealing with this longer and they've tested a lot more people, they were able to also test those who weren't affected. And so that 14% a little more reliable number. <clears throat> so if you take 34,000 um, and divide by 0.14, Right. Yeah. Because now you're trying to figure out if 14% of all people who have it are sick enough. Are you following the math? Yep. I'm with you. So that means right now there's probably 250,000 people who have it or had it. In the U.S.? Yeah. You're saying 250,000 in the U.S. 250,000 or 330 million? Correct. That either have it or had it. And that's, that's sort of scaling up the Chinese uh, statistical numbers and, and applying them to us, right? Is that what's going on? Yeah. And uh, the other thing, it's the, the R-naught. That's that term that, I, that escaped me. The R-naught is the, uh, the uh, basic reproduction number. And it, it tells you how quickly or how easily it, it spreads. And that number basically represents what 
what one infected how many new infections would one infected person create so if you have a r naught less than one that means the the spread's going down because gotcha. for every new person that's infected it's less than one new person infected and the estimates on the r naught for covid 19 is 2 to 2.5 meaning you know for every new person infected there's two two and a half uh new infections and just to put that in perspective uh, it, the seasonal flu is about 1.3 uh sars was around um it was around five the spanish flu was around five you know measles is like 13 because it's really contagious so that's that's kind of the backdrop and and again these these are these are just estimates because we don't have the full data we don't know the the true asymptomatic confirmed cases but you know that puts the the death rate uh based on those numbers and the active cases. And again, it's hard because these, these active cases haven't gone to their full natural history. Um, so that puts the death rate around, you know, around 1%. And how does that compare to say the flu, you know, the, the basic influenza that we see every year? That's like, you know, 0.05%. So it, it's more virulent. Now the out of China though, they did estimate that the the caught the the death rate was around 2%. But Wuhan had a really high death rate because they were the first to have it. They didn't really know what was going on. They didn't have a lot of hospitals. You know, it's not just the biology that determines the death rate and the the R not it's also the population density, the access to to medical care, and and I did you know some more math. If let's let's say the death rate was just 0.18 percent, um, you know that means if if everyone got it, and that that's the thing about this this virus. I mean, it does spread spread pretty fast. If everyone got it, that's 330 million Americans. That would mean that there would be, you know, 5.9 million deaths. And that's why they have implemented all these lockdowns and, and closures and all that. It's to, you know, we're trying to prevent, prevent that from happening. Because the other grim reality, there's only 100,000 ICU beds in the whole country right now. And, and obviously, I, I would hope that uh, those in charge or those who are responsible for such decisions are, are doing something about that fact at this point. Uh, yeah, they're having companies ramp up ventilators and, um, you know, and that's the other thing, too. The there's I read there was 80 different biotech companies who offered to make testing kits, you know, and the, the CDC is finally loosening some restrictions so they can get or the FDA is finally uh, loosening some restrictions 
but there's one company that could make 50,000 tests a day. And they're just like been waiting. And how does that, and obviously that's political or that's administrative or red tape or all the above, I suppose. Um, but you know, the, the, the fingers are going to get pointed at the president. Um, but what's the reality, uh, irrespective of, of that? I mean, is, is it, is that just an inherent problem that anyone would have who's in charge or is there uh, what's the medical take on that? And, you know, Legally and politically, it's a whole different story, obviously. Well, that's the thing. You know, let's, uh, Nick Gillespie, uh, he's from Reason Magazine, said, in a time of a crisis, you realize how little regulation you need. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I think this kind of unmask, you know, this unmasks that issue. But go ahead. I mean, not only not only can they make a lot of these tests, but you get an answer in 15 to 45 minutes. I mean, some of these tests, you send them out and people are waiting to hear back. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's a great point, because as I came in today, I feel like I'm not infected. Um, But like you said, there's asymptomatic uh, people wandering around and, and, and there's a little bit of anxiety. I'm walking around with day in and day out. It's like I. You know, I'm staying away from people. I'm following the rules. I, I came into the office over the weekend with no one here, and I, I got this pressure steam cleaner, and I, for good or bad, I did all the common areas, all the bathrooms, everything people would touch. I, I created a bleach solution to wipe everything down. You know, we're doing everything we can, but then if you don't know, you still have that sort of anxiety, like, should I just quarantine myself right. away from everybody? And, and the, the unknown, you know, in my practice, representing folks charged with crimes, I always tell people it's the unknown that causes the most stress uh, initially, cause you just don't know what's going on and it, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. In, in Kentucky, I have to ask, does, uh, do you have a, somebody coming out and talking once a day? Like DeWine comes out between two and three o'clock every single day with updates, what's going on, numbers and changes. Uh, I know the white house is doing that as well. Are they doing that in Kentucky? Yeah. Andy Bashir's he's, He's done a pretty good job down here. That's good. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I believe them coming out with that is is huge because that's the horse's mouth. You're going to hear news and contemplations and this and that all day long, but whenever you can catch it from literally, you know, he just said it, that's the deal. Yeah, I mean, they've been giving um, the number of new cases, the, uh, you know, the new deaths, and also demographics on the deaths also, you know, given the age and then the uh, medical conditions that those patients had. I mean, obviously they keep their name and everything sure. um, confidential, but they give you that just to kind of give you an idea of who this is uh, affecting. Well, I want to get back to uh, to something that we started to talk about there, and that is sort of the bureaucracy and the and like you said, uh, you, you know, you realize in a time of crisis how little regulation you need. Meaning, you got to have a chain of command directly to the top. Somebody's in charge; they can make decisions and they go, and they don't have to get bogged down in the process. Uh, and it seems like, and then when the dust settles, everybody blames everybody else for that. But uh, right. it just seems uh, crazy to me that we have a situation where. Uh, the well, I, I guess I look at it this way. There are folks out there who say we just need to, we want the government to fix us. We want the the CDC or D or um, uh, Food and Drug Administration, whatever it is, just to have. Uh, they should they should there should just be people out there doing it. 
Um, and then we talked last time about the fact that South Korea's model was basically go right to the private biotechs, get us what we need yeah. now. And that's so ironic, right? We're the freest country around with all this private enterprise, and we don't have that ability, or at least we didn't. And it, and, and I look at that one of two ways. You're going to have half the folks sort of taking the position that I would take, which is we have just demonstrated why we need less of this. And the other half uh, are going to say, well, we have demonstrated why we need more because it wasn't good enough. And uh, I don't know that there is a solution, really, and I don't know that I'm making any point. Well, the than- solution is if there's a, a biotech company out there that can produce what doctors said right there, you fire up the th- go. Oh, yeah. No, that's the solution to fix this problem now. But going forward, what are we going to have? You know, what's it going to look like when, when we get on the back end of this? And uh, and how's that work? But uh, we'll get maybe we'll get back to that later. I wanted to ask you uh, another question, Doc, and that was this. Um, I've been reading on Facebook now. And I know that's the place where you get all your good news and, and all your <laughs> the most accurate stuff. But, you know, you're just, it's sitting at home sort of quarantined and, and looking at things. And uh, folks are now – I think we have a pretty good description of what the symptoms are. And there are people out there saying, I am positive I had this. Now that I've read what these symptoms are, I'm almost sure that I've had it. And it, it was about six weeks ago, and I got right through it. Now, is that is that just the flu? Do you think it's this? Or wh- where do you come down on that one? Well – this year, this uh, season was actually uh, one of the more severe flu seasons that we've had. You know, I, I, I got the flu shot and, you know, I was exposed to someone who had confirmed, uh, you know, influenza B and, um, and I still had got some symptoms as well. It, they were mild. And, um, you know, the person who had it didn't have a flu shot, and they, they were hit pretty hard for about five days. So the, the, um, the, the normal seasonal flu levels were higher than they normally were this past year. So there's, there's probably some of that. You know, and on the other hand, you know, our first case – documented case was in January and this stuff spreads fairly quickly. So if these people got sick in February or March, you know, with, like I said, the, the, that number I calculated, you know, 250,000 already, that, that's a, that's a decent number of people. Yeah. So, so that is possible that they, uh, had it and recovered from it, but, now, if those people went out and got a test to look for uh, serology, you know, ana- antibody titers against COVID-19, and they tested positive, then yeah, then that's that's probably they probably did have it. And and that's probably those are probably <clears throat> numbers we will never know for sure. I suppose even on the back end of this. Yeah, it, it, I you know, I know it'd be expensive, but to really get a number and do some less speculative calculations, you would need to capture a, a big chunk of the population, even those that, that didn't go to the hospital. And, you know, I, I also read that there are, just for various genetic reasons, there are folks who just maybe are almost never get symptoms or really bad, they're really, really sick, while somebody right next to them might get almost uh, like hospital-type sick. Uh, is that accurate or is that uh, just yeah there's there's an it's it's a concept of herd immunity 
um, if a virus has been around for a while or is somewhat genetic, it's how do I describe it? It's somewhat familiar to a species. It's a, it's different enough that it's new that it's going to cause, but in a population, there are those that just have this natural immunity to a, to a new virus. And that can be due to genetics. Um, actually it is primarily due to genetics. Um, and, and it is kind of a luck of the draw. You know, you have the, your immune system. It has a, a, a built-in ability to fend off a lot of uh, new infections, and, and and the makeup of that is it is kind of luck of the draw. A lot of it has to do with evolution. You know, evolutionary pressures through throughout the generations. Yeah. Um, is there any, uh, you know, I think one of my neighbors actually sent this around and it was, uh, it was a recording of somebody, uh, overseas and, and she was, she was sort of describing now, or if she was from China or in China and she's like, well, now, uh, let me read you what, uh, what, or translate what these, uh, individuals are saying. And they, 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 she was saying something about they had done autopsies now and they had a better understanding of it. And she was sharing different things about what to do if you get sick or, or how to avoid it more, et cetera. Is there any value in that? I mean, it, obviously China, the, China got it first. I mean, they're going to have lots of folks, unfortunately, who have passed away from it. Uh, what can be learned there? And are they willing to share, I guess, is the other question. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the way I view it uh, personally. I, I think at some point the majority of the population is going to, have this virus I mean we can't stay inside forever yeah and the majority of the people are gonna do just are gonna be okay with it you know everybody everyone talks about flattening that curve and and that's just so that the hospitals don't become overwhelmed with a big uh, spike in cases you know and that's what's happened in Italy I mean, you shared that that video with me. Yeah. Uh, where, where the reporter is like, "Are we in the intensive care unit?" And he's like, "No, this is the waiting room." Uh, and that wasn't that insane. I mean, if that's even close yeah. to accurate, that is that is nuts. Yeah. Well, and that's and it, it's a numbers thing, and, and I think, and I got to you know I was getting to that in the last podcast. That's what makes this virus so tricky is that. It spreads so quickly because it doesn't make the majority of the people who get it sick. And it just becomes a numbers game. You know, there's there's 52 million Americans who are above the age of 65. And and the mortality rate in that group is, you know, is anywhere between 7 to 15 percent. You know, and the older you get, the worse it gets. And, you know, so you got people going on spring break acting like nothing's happening and they come home and they get grandma and grandpa sick. And, and a lot of people are kind of ignoring it or downplaying it. Cause they're like, well, you know, it was probably not going to hurt me. And it's, well, yeah, that that's right. It, it's probably not going to hurt you. It's, it's collectively going to hurt, hurt everyone. If, if the hospitals are overwhelmed, because if you have 
if you get in a car accident or you, you fall off your ladder and you go to the hospital like you would under routine circumstances, well, now the whole place is, is, is full of these sick patients. And so it does hurt you in the long run if you're just out there not, you know, giving a crap and, and, and spreading it. Yeah, yeah, because cancer's still there. Car accidents are still going to happen. You, like you say, you're going right. to fall off the ladder. You're going to get the, the normal. There's everything else still exists. Well, and then I think right. we all have this logical fallacy uh, tendency where, you know, if you look at if you and maybe it's for self-preservation, if nothing else. I mean, if you look at the, the statistics on on deaths by driving, I mean, it's staggering, right? It's, it's like if you just look at the number, a lot of people die in car crashes, right? Uh, but it's never happened to me and, you know, it, it won't happen to me and, and everything's cool. But when it happens to your son, to your daughter, to your father, to your right. mother or to your best friend, it's the most devastating thing you could possibly experience and it's tragic. And then you get these things like, well, now it's my cause to prevent whatever caused that. And and that becomes a very important cause for you. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. But I guess that's one of the problems with this is people are looking at it more in the abstract as opposed to the reality. And that's why, for me, one of the most powerful things that I've seen in the last several days or read are people who have either had it or they're, they're a close friend or somebody had it and they were describing what they went through and even short of death. It was, it was pretty bad what I was reading. I mean, they were like, I've, and, and obviously these are people on the other end of the spectrum who get it worse than the asymptomatic mm-hmm. folks. But I, I think when it hits home to people directly, then we tend to call to action. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, my my dad's in the hospital, and he's having valve replacement surgery on his heart tomorrow. And, you know. It's floating uh, around. Yeah, and he's he's in the hospital and you know if he if he got this during recovery you know that'd be horrible yeah, yeah he doesn't and, and my you know my mom wants to be there for a surgery but you know right now she's at home and he's inside this capsule in a in the hospital and for that for those two to meet you know, my mom's got to go through the parking lot, through the waiting room, through the halls to get to him and to see a guy who's just had a heart surgery and they're both over 65. I mean, this that's an example of of having an over uh, uh, overrun hospital. That's why this is a bad thing. That's yeah. why, you know, because just the routine stuff now gets gets it gets put on the back burner and and it is and if you're above 65 i mean it, this is uh this is a, a a terrifying why is that exactly i mean what makes the the magic age you know between somebody who's like 40 to 50 versus 60 to 70 what what, what what's going on there well part of that is the maturity and experience of the immune system and where the how the virus hits different ages uh there's variation because the one a lot of you know typical influenza you worry about the very young and the very old and the the sars outbreak of of 2003 it was middle-aged people like from 30 to 50 and the the young and old were actually spared 
and again, it's there are so many factors that go into it. A lot of it is genetics. Uh, a lot of it is prior exposures throughout the life of the patient. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a it, it's a disease specific thing, and there's always outliers too. I mean, there's a right now there's a 12 year old in Atlanta on a ventilator that got COVID-19. You know, there's always exceptions. Yeah, and we don't know if the 12-year-old was predisposed to asthma or I know there's, right. I remember kids that you didn't know they had asthma until like a certain age and then all of a sudden it comes on and so maybe that's it. I mean, there's, there's going to be, I'm sure, like you said, there's going to be outliers that, that that are exceptions and that's probably true of everything. Yeah. Um, now, what do you think, the, the other thing that was disturbing to me, guys, is I saw and read what was going on in Florida with some of these spring breakers. And and it's like, I mean, these 20 year olds are down there getting plastered at bars, shoulder to shoulder, wasted out of their gourds and then having sex or doing whatever they do when they're partying and sharing joints, (laughs) drinking each other's drinks, you know, beer bongs. Just imagine. I I saw videos like the big, the big tub where there's like six straws in Uh, one glass, you know, where everybody's drinking out the same, which I don't like that anyhow. Yeah. But then they were interviewing them. But then again, these interviewers were walking amongst all of these partying <laughs> children and everything there, too. Nobody cares. You know, but then, then I, I was at Costco yesterday, and it was Looney Tunes, crazy town in there. And as I'm going to go to the checkout, there's like, you, you funnel in, and everybody's kind of piled up. And there was this one woman there, and she would be like, go to, you know, aisle four, two, three, shoot, shoot, send people, right? And so I get there, and there's not many people around. I push my car over to the side, and I kind of standing in the front as I'm pulling. I wasn't, I don't know. I mean, I could have swore I was had my distance between the woman in front of me. And this woman comes over there, and she's like, sir. And she wanted me to get on my ex. They got these little X's, you know, taped mm-hmm. there. And she's like, get on your spot. She's like, six <laughs> feet away. And I turn around, I look to the whole funnel <laughs> where, where everybody's waiting to go to aisle three or wherever to where they got it marked off. Before they send you to aisle three, I was standing there with a cart in front of me and two people had pushed up to the side of me. So now, and then behind me, there's people because we're all waiting to go out. So you're, you're, you're funneling in this line. So yes, they were making us stand six feet apart at the register. But literally one minute before that, not even one minute, we are all herded into one corral. And you know what I mean? So right then and there, we were all we were all feet from each other. We were all within touching range. Then they're like, hey, we're doing the right thing. So it's not that they're not trying, but it's like there's a certain impossibility. There's a certain way that it's just like it's just, you know, I mean, I showed up. I brought my own wipes. And then when I got my cart, I'm wiping it down. And uh, then as I push it in, this woman offers me a wipe. And it's like this. Well, I would have had to grab it already and push it in before you, 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 well, you, know, you know what I mean? And I think that's why they're saying don't touch your face. Don't, you know, get your hands washed before you touch. You know, it's like there, there's only so much you can do, which is ironic because then there's this complaint about hoarding. And, and I gave this some thought last night. And I was like, all right, so if we're not supposed to go out and you're not allowed to hoard, at some point, those two things become inconsistent. I mean, if you're going to run out of supplies, you have to go out. And if you're going to hoard, then you don't have to go out as much. So there's a, uh, I, I guess you can pick whichever, uh, whichever is more important to you individually, but there, there probably isn't a right answer in the long run on this. I well, mean, my whole just, life I've lived a country lifestyle. You know, I mean, where I was born, it was an hour and a half drive to get to a store when I was a yeah. child. So, 
and they came from a farming community. Whenever you went to the store, you got truckloads of stuff. You know what I mean? You got months of supplies. And so that was just kind of bred into me. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how we lived as a child, and that's how I live today. You know what I mean? I've always had enough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready for that ice storm in July. Well, and this is, you know, this is going to, let me, let me just get on my soapbox again here. It's like, we have a country that is free and probably the freest country that's ever been on this earth, you know, as, as far as just uh, liberty uh, choices, freedom to travel, and not just because we can, but because we say we can in our, in our foundational structure. And then we get to a situation like this, like where it's the movies uh, where there's martial law and that's not what's happened here necessarily, but all of a sudden you have to limit the United States citizens freedom and, you know, it, either because you believe in the cause and you're just going to say, no, you can't do it, or because you're so by habit used to doing whatever you want and going wherever you want, uh, or you just, there's so many people that roll their eyes at it. We just have a unique susceptibility to this kind of thing, I think. I've talked to some people that, like I said the other day, I was like, I think they live under a rock, probably a crack rock, and they've been smoking it this whole time because they are totally clueless and careless as to their kind of like, huh? Ah, there's, what's the big deal? And, and I mean, as we sit here and I'm listening to you, Doc, it's, it's, you know, opening my minds. I'm glad we're here. Um, I've got a huge dilemma. <laughs> I own a business, man, you know, and, right. and I've got employees and I had a meeting with them last night, you know, and, and I've got crying girls in my arm. I, I got, you know what I mean? What am I supposed to do there? Yeah, you know, and it right. was, and I still have to figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. Economically in, I think the other fallacy is that that's sort of dividing everybody is that uh, on the one side, how can you possibly worry about money and your, your own, well, your, your own wealth uh, in this time of crisis. And then the other side is like, well, look, if we don't have this infrastructure, then we have nothing to come back to. So, and again, it's a, it's a matter of balance more than it is a, a one or the other. I mean, you cannot just say, uh, d- damn the torpedoes, forget about the economy. We're going to shut everything down if we all go broke, so be it. At least we're alive when at the end, if there are, is no economic infrastructure, we're all going to die anyway, right? I mean, we, we, we do rely on our economic structure to support our lives. Right, and and you get collapse of social order, and you don't want like a Great Depression scenario, which I think I mentioned last time that people who – the older folks who lived through the depression or, you know, were old enough then to sort of remember and see what's going on. That, that, that's what they're worried about as well, aside from their own health, because, because they're older and, and getting to that difficulty with sort of balancing the freedom that Americans have become used to. I feel like once uh, Americans pull in the same direction, they're willing to give up some freedoms for for the greater good. And I think yeah. that's where messaging, consistent messaging is important because if a lot of people are saying the same, you know, people in authoritative positions and, and, and people of experience and knowledge are all saying the same thing, then we all pull in that in that same direction. I mean, everyone was more than happy to follow uh, or adhere to the war rations during World War II because it's like, well, we got to fight Germany and Japan, and here's what we need to do. And I feel like the messaging with this has been all over the place, even within the same 
press conference. Well, yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to I'm going to agree with you in part, and I'm going to explain some other things. I think or some I've got something for you. This is just just observation. Quick, I do business with a gentleman who uh, lives in Long Beach. Uh, he uh, manufactures e liquid. He also has a factory in Toledo or a lab in Toledo where he manufactures. Uh, so I was talking to him Saturday night. And I was like, and on this night, they had already done the total lockdown of California. Remember, they closed it down. And I said, hey, I believe that, I said, I believe by Monday, DeWine's going to do the same. Are you still manufacturing now? What's your, you know, I was just trying to get inventory, see where we were at. He's like, he's like, no. And he started going off that we needed a martial law. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, we'll just, everybody hunker down. Like you said, we'll all get on the same page and go with it. He said, no, Jared. He was like, he's like, I just went for a bike ride. He's in Long Beach. He said the beaches were full, volleyball courts rocking and rolling. He's like, every store, he's like, restaurants are still open. He was like, he was like, vape stores here are open. Yeah. He was like, everybody's, he's like, he's like, nothing's changed. And I was like, what do you mean nothing's changed? He's like, Jared, nothing changed. He's like, you heard it on the news that, that, our, that the governor shut us down. Nothing's changed. Well, and, and here's what's interesting about all this is that if you look through history, you're bringing this up a little bit, Chris, that. You know, when Americans finally get their heads around a certain cause, we are really unstoppable. And that's, that's sort of true around history, but there's always a triggering event that causes it. And always, and almost historically, uh, we're chaos until that triggering event happens. And, and this is true. Like, if you go back, let's go back to 1776. Like, most of the colonists were ambivalent about this. And you had, you had like, this core group that were into uh, the Declaration of Independence and wanted to get involved. But... And until the battles, until the wars, until they got King George's letters and edicts and stuff after it had already started, I don't think we were necessarily behind it. Now, there's probably better historians than I that can fill in the blanks there. But by and large, and it didn't happen immediately where everybody in our then colonies were behind the cause. And then the very next war that we had, conflict, was 1812. And to be sure... People were just like, what are we doing in this war? I mean, we don't care about impressment. We don't care about any of this nonsense. We're making money trading with the Brits. We don't need to fight them. But then the Brits make this sort of fundamental uh, decision to invade Washington, D.C. and burn the White House. Well, now we're pissed, right? Now we're going after you, <laughs> and the whole the whole country is behind it. And uh, World War One comes along, and I'm skipping the Civil War for obvious reasons, but similar stuff. And then World War One comes comes along, and we had like this – uh, it, again, you had the people out west settling. You know, it was sort of an isolationist attitude. And because of World War One, uh, World War Two, people did not want to get involved. I mean, that, that was a, that was a short time uh, to remember the people who got killed in the Great War and World War Two. If you remember, Roosevelt had to fight, fight like he was cutting backdoor deals with Churchill to get him aid uh, to get involved as much as he could. But the country wasn't behind it. Until again, the, the somebody makes a fateful decision to bomb Pearl Harbor, and now we're pissed. It's like then you look, go read the propaganda. I can't even call it that, but go read the you know go read the ads and what was getting printed back then by everybody. Uh, like we'll get them back for their sneak attack, and, and you know then then it really starts. We ramp up, and and it just is true of every sort of big thing that we've gone through as a country. And I don't know that this is going to be any different. So it's like. You know, what if what if Donald Trump at the outset said, uh, we're all going to get on the same page of the pages, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the United States. We're all going to do this together. We're you know, we're in it for a cause. Well, that's what Roosevelt tried to do, too, in, in, in 1939 and 40. And it didn't work. Uh, and would it have worked even if you had the best 
uh, most patriotic leader of all time, this country seems to always be divided by its own diversity, right? I mean, that's the problem. Some are going to say, okay, some not. And until yeah. somebody bombs your country or the disease is now in your backyard, it's tough to get us to call to action. I'll be interested to see how history records this time. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thought I had about this was, what if the federal government, like Jared, you're talking about in California, your buddy, what if the federal government said, all right, California, martial law, we're, we're sending in U.S. troops to get oh you guys in line? Now, again, as, a, as an attorney, I love the Constitution as a historian. That's my background. It's like, you know, in our grandparents' time, it, 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 going to a different state was closer to going to a different country uh, than it was going just on the interstate that Eisenhower built later. You know, it's like you would go get different rules, different laws, and cross state lines, and that was a big deal. Uh, and states had their own sort of sanctity and authority to do what they wanted. And I gave that some thought over the weekend. It's like, all right, well, what happens then if they try to shut the country down from a federal level? I just think fundamentally it would have been really, really tough. I mean, we fought a civil war about stuff like this. You know, it's like it, it, we have a unique situation that Europe doesn't have. And maybe it would be more akin if, say, uh, Germany were trying to order Italy to do something. You know, it's like Italy's going to say, screw you. We're going to do what we want. And and then I wondered, and I'm going to cede the microphone here again back to you, Doc, because i got a question. It's like, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I heard that as recently as in the last 24 hours, folks in Georgia were still doing what you were describing, Jared, in California. Um, and then I got to thinking, well, you know, maybe it would have been foolish to shut down the whole country at once because not the whole country was impacted by this at once. And if you're going to shut out the lights on everybody economically at the same time, then what do you have? You've got not one part of the country supplying the other. Uh, so right. if you're going to, if I'm going to do surgery on my right hand, I want to at least keep my left hand healthy for a little while and then do my left. You know, I had, and I had two shoulder surgeries at the same time and it was brutal, right? I couldn't move either arm and it sucked. So, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know what's the better thing. Like let, let us get, get through it here in Ohio. Uh, and then we can at least get our, our economy back up and running and then later help others do the same thing. Is there some or is this disease so bad that you just it requires a total shutdown? I I, I don't know. Hmm. That is a very good question. I mean, I think in you know based on the analogies you provided, it would seem that like New York definitely needs to to lock down. You know, Cal California as well. Although it sounds like things haven't changed. And that's what blew my mind. I was like, I was like, well, you guys are in lockdown. He's like, nothing's changed, Jared. Now, I don't know how many days. That was this Saturday. So I don't know when they closed it down. Was it Thursday, Friday? I can't remember how long ago. It was, well, it was, it was maybe a day was, or two before. Yeah, it was at least 48 hours after the close down. They're still yes. out on the beaches and at the bars partying. He's, that's what he said. He was like, it's all going on, Jared. And I was like, my goodness. And that, and, But then I was like, no, you can't. I, wow. Hmm. I mean, does Montana, I, like I'm trying to pick a place that's remote that does not need to be shut down, but they might supply the rest of the country with things like uh, livestock, food, or, or whatever. You know, it's like if they're shut down at the same time we're shut down, we've got nothing. Uh, like where are the trucks going to drive to and where are they going to drive from? Well, I guess it comes down to numbers too, hospital beds and how many in your population. You know, if you have a larger population, you really have got to get it together. Um, I'm, I want, what do you think Ohio is going to do? How do you think we're, what, what are we going to do? I'm going to tell you, I drove down here this morning and 
there was enough traffic. But now then again, this is our, this is our, we have, you know, I mean, 12 hours, well, a little yeah. bit more than 12 hours right now. Yeah, we're on the way to the Alamo. We're, we're, we're on the way. So everybody is going to grab what they can grab, to hunker down, bunker down. And then you have to read through these, these rules that they have of what can be open, what can't be open. And I can fall into that. Um, so then I have to wonder, and, and, and I, I don't have an answer, and I have to have an answer by, like, here in what time is it now? It's 8.30. I've got, like, an hour and a half to where I really need to have an answer to people that are coming in. I'm going to stay open later this evening, and then I have to figure out what do I do? What what do I do? Well, and these uh, are, you know, these are great rhetorical questions for those who don't have that dilemma, just like, you know, uh, we uh, people can explain what they're going through and give me some insight. But here, here's the bottom line: if you're a small business, and by that I mean you know a handful of employees, and you generate your own commerce through trade, through services, through sale of goods or delivery of goods or whatever it is you do, um, you know the day they cut you off, that's the day you stop making money, and it's not the day, however, that you stopped owing money. No, and when you have to pay your employees and you have taken on that responsibility, maybe as I have for 25 years. Um, I assure you to those who say these small business owners are greedy because they don't have mandatory paid sick leave. We are far from it. Um, you know, we just don't operate on, on governmental type margins where there's a, a seemingly unlimited supply of money to, to keep the doors open and people employed and keep the trains running on time, et cetera. So, it's a really hard choice and a really hard uh, reality when you're in that position because I, you know, I went home last Friday knowing full well that I probably was not going to have any money to pay myself for an indefinite period of time, months maybe, and yet I still owed it. So whatever I had, whatever I could marshal in one direction and put in a pot, <clears throat> I then have to allocate that money, and the first place it went was to the employees so they could at least have some stability until there are other options. But and, you know, that's not to say that we that the folks who are trying to keep the doors open are unsympathetic to the virus. I think we all are both. And, you know, a desperation uh, comes in all sorts of ways, both physical and mental health and also financial health. So it's a uh, it's a it's a tough it's a tough mix of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I believe I can make the 14 days. I, I just then you have to worry about my competitors. You know, if I do nothing are they, and they do something, are they going to, you know I mean, are they going to pull my customers? You know, yeah. do, do I, I do sell a lot of CBD product. And once again, these are two majority of my CBD buyers are elderly. Uh, you know, I mean, from tinctures to, to, to the, you know, the edibles to the, to the whole nine yards that I have of it. And I, so I have to wonder, I mean, I, you know I mean? This is saying I'm allowed to do so much, you know what I mean? But then it's like, what, what is my part? You know what I mean? What what is my part? What is the what is the the right thing to do? What is the thing to do to fight the cause correctly? And I've been thinking about it too, as to where do I do some pickups? You know what I mean? From three to five, maybe short time. Order during the day. We fill your orders. Come out. You, you can pick it up. Do I just shut it down totally? I mean, on there, I had a meeting with my people last night, and 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 I love them. I love all of them. Uh, and 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 I can I can make it. I can make it a couple of weeks and they can get paid and they can go home. But I, I had to, I had to go through things. And then I told him, I said, wants and needs, you need water, you need food, you need shelter, you need clothing. 
like, you don't need a new video game. You don't need, I was like, you know, I was like, just go home, clean your house, think, you know, and don't, and then I, I, like you said, I brought up the whole thing because I've heard it from my father, you know what I mean, down to the rationing of World War II. You know, you only were allowed to buy so much sugar. If you could get sugar, you know what I mean? You're only allowed mm -hmm. this. You, nothing was made with rubber. You know I mean? Everything was going out, you know what I mean, for the war effort. So, you know, but if if only me and my five employees stop and everybody else is like California running around and the other stores are open and they're like, yeah, we can pick up and they do all this. And, and, and I just, I guess this is... This, I, I have to figure it out. And, you know, there's... Well, there's a balance. And, and, you know, I've known you for a number of years now. By and large, you're going to choose the right balance and it'll find its way. I mean, I can, you know, I can tell you this. Nobody in a different state governing the entire country, the entire world, or even the state of Ohio from some office is going to understand exactly the issues that you just described and be in a better position to solve them than you. You know, and that, that's the hard part about running a business is that you have all those decisions to make day in and day out. The good part about running the business is you get pretty damn good at it because you have to do it day in, day out. So, And, and what they've given us really is I look through here, I darn near stay open. Yeah. But so what does that do? What What, what is the purpose? What is the point? I mean, I, I, DeWine came out, though, and I guess and he said it a number of times. He's called it stay at home. St stay at home. And then, you know, they would ask him questions like, well, how are you going to enforce this? And he's like, well, it's a second degree misdemeanor, you know, and, and, and we got people from the health department going out and, and things of this nature. But it's like really what he was saying is just stay at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. th there's not much that he can do. Uh, the, then you read through here, plumbers can go out, you know, electricians can go out. And you start reading through this and it's kind of like, well, what what is it'd be easier to say what's closed. Looks like because restaurants can still do pickup. Well, I think what he was trying to do was punctuate the point that I told you to stay at home and now you're not. Now let's really right. tell you to stay at home. You know, it's like I, I close these things hoping everybody would get on board with this, but they're not. Uh, and I think, Chris, that's back to you. It's like if there was some leader that could get on and, and really compel people or uh, compel is not the right word, but uh, convince folks to uh, get motivated to really get behind the cause. And I, and our doc, uh, what's her name? I always forget her name. Uh, Acton. Acton. Yeah. Acton. She did a nice job of that yesterday, actually. I mean, very good job. Just uh, sort of imploring people, look, we're at zero hour now. Uh, if you, if anybody was infected the last 10 days, that was because they didn't listen to me 10 days ago. Well, you know? that's what she said. She said, I do not want to drive to these press conferences and see what I'm seeing. Wherever she lives somewhere here in, you know, in central Ohio, she's driving through downtown to go meet up with the, the governor. And she's like, look at all these people. Look, look at what's going yeah. on here. She's like, I told them all to knock it off. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, then, then you just get into, it's, it's, man, there's a, a lot of unknown. It is very difficult to regulate human behavior. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> now, here's what's interesting. I was at court the other day and I said that out loud. I said, we are never, ever going to be able to control human instinct and behavior from a governmental level. You're never going to be able to, con you might be able to give people incentives or, or, or maybe, maybe try to influence it through education or otherwise, but at our instincts as humans, particularly in this country where we actually pound the table about how awesome this is, is individuality, right? We're, we're individual sovereigns. It says so in our founding documents, you know, it's like, it's going to be hard to deal with that. And I think until I, your point, Chris was so good. It's like at times in our country, when we get behind such causes, we become almost unstoppable 
right. in a very good way, you know, in a, in a very, very not, good way. And we're not at that point yet. Doesn't seem like it. Cause you got, you got people who are doomsday prepping and people on the beach. Yep. And then you have another problem, which is our society is so fractured right now anyway. And we saw it in Congress. They're, they're, they're pissing and moaning back and forth about what, what should be in the stimulus package or uh, what should that be? And I saw that there was a vote that it didn't go through. It's like, you know, no matter what, I mean, I, I thought about this too, and, and this is not to take a political side at all, but when we should have been doing something about this, there were impeachment proceedings going on. You know, it's like everybody was, right. we were distracted by that. And that's, that's where the division is just makes things just worse. And I think I was getting to that early or, you know, in the previous show is there's this, there's been this rise in populism, you know, populist regimes and governments. And when that happens, you know, you want to kind of hide any, inconveniences and anything that makes you look bad yep. and, and we're learning we're learning that china did that initially they kind of downplayed everything and and swept things under the rug and you know in some of these other populist regimes india russia brazil their numbers are really low right now and i'm pretty sure they're a lot higher yeah, yeah. than they're reporting and there, you know, there was this point that Luxembourg has more confirmed cases than Russia. Well, look, and in, in, is, is, is on the basic level, you played sports, I know. Uh, I remember reading the programs. Every sport, once I got to the high school level, I read the program, and my height and weight never was quite what it actually was when when they put it in the program. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it was always a little bit beefed up one way, in one way or another. You know, my 40 time got a little bit faster when it got published. Right. And, ever, you know, and everyone's afraid to show weakness. And Trump did the same thing. I mean, it's and then on top of that, everything's so politicized now that and that gets to that message. There's not a consistent message. Right. And and, and it and that's why you almost have to just look at numbers and data, but not everyone's adept with with doing numbers and data. Well, and it, it's complicated. And, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's a horrible, if you add that into the governmental structure and expect it to go perfectly, it is just wrought with peril. And, you know, how many cases have I tried? I'm saying this rhetorically, but, or asking rhetorically, how many cases have I tried where there is an expert on the witness stand who is 100% absolutely certain that he or she is correct? And then I put another expert on the witness stand who is absolutely 100% certain that he or she is correct. And, you know, sometimes I know, sometimes I don't. Uh, sometimes I know both, right? Both are, are saying this because of that and this because of that. And there's about 10 different reasons why they're disagreeing that nobody's really talking about. But in the context of how it's presented in a three or four day or even a four week trial, all that is whitewashed. And it's just that I'm right. I don't want to hear anymore, you know, and it's uh, the motives don't get exposed half the time. And or, or maybe they just there's a there's a fundamental disagreement on the philosophy or whatever it would be. But uh, it just is. Uh, now, if you take those people and say, I'm relying on the best experts, I just know from experience that I don't take that to mean much, you know, because even the best right. experts disagree in 180 degree ways half the time. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it just is. Uh, it, there's not a great solution. 
And we, we might be the most susceptible as our country, as a country to this for all these reasons we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, when China did a nationwide lockdown and, and pretty much barricaded Wuhan, everyone's like, all right, you know, that's a, that's a much easier sell in China. They're used to it. Yeah. And, and they got the guns and they got the power and they can do it. And, yeah. you know, I've said for years, I mean, people ask me about crime rates and this and that. And I said, listen, man, you want to get rid of crime? It would be easy. Suspend the Bill of Rights and just invoke martial law and you will get rid of all the crime you're talking about. Now, there'll be other crime, but you're going to get rid of that crime. I mean, you can control us with guns uh, until there's a rebellion, then it won't work anymore. We just don't live that way. So the price of freedom uh, is exactly what we're experiencing now. And, and you know, I, I still wouldn't trade it, frankly. Um, all right. Well, I wanted to ask you about, uh, another thing you, last time we talked, doc, you were talking about, uh, how genetically stable this seemed to be. In other words, it's not mutating. And then after that, I got in a couple uh, discussions with folks where they were saying, Oh no, I heard that you can get it twice. Uh, I heard that, uh, there's two different versions of it. And then I read a guy last night and I can't remember who it is. I meant to send it to you. I forgot who was sort of right down your party line. He said, no, at least the good news is most, we're not hearing any at least accurate reports that somebody's had it twice. Uh, and, uh, and it seems pretty stable that way. What's your opinion on that? And has it changed? Uh, it hasn't changed. Uh, you know, all viruses do mutate at some point, you know, in the, the course of their histories. Um, and, Obviously, a mutation happened where coronavirus was able to uh, jump to our species, but it's that family of viruses is is pretty stable. Um, you know, some some coronaviruses cause the the common cold. You know, the common colds actually there's several different viruses that cause it, but you know the syndrome's the same, so it looks the same. And, and Corona is one of them. And the common cold has been with us for many generations, probably thousands and thousands of years, all the, the species. And the flu on the other, the influenza, <clears throat> so those, those structures that I mentioned that dictate what the virus, what type of cells the virus likes to attach to, the, those regions on influenza are very unstable. They, they flip around a lot. They, they change. And that's why every flu season, there's a different flu shot because you're trying to hedge your bets to see which uh, strain of the, of the influenza virus is going to be the predominant one this season. And you try to uh, set up your vaccines for that. It's not always right. A lot of times it's not. Um, but you still get some protection uh, because the the strain type is, is close. Coronavirus is is is, a, is much more uh, stable of a virus. So as far as things, you know, mutating like the flu does, and it's not really a mutation. The flu has this built-in variability. It, as that virus has evolved, it's realized, and I say that metaphorically, you know, having some built-in um, variability actually helps spread things uh, better because you're, you know, when species and viruses evolve, there's a delicate dance. That's what you're hoping for. You know, 
I mean, viruses don't have a conscience, but a good virus spreads quickly and doesn't kill its host. Gotcha. I guess if it kills its host, then it's got nowhere to go. Exactly. That's why HIV is a lousy virus because it's hard to transmit, right? It's either through sexual contact or, or blood. So that that's a lot harder to spread because uh, compared to like, you know, sneezing and putting out millions of droplets, but H, you know, HIV is a lousy virus. It's interesting. Yeah. It kills the host and it's really hard to transmit. The cold is great because, you know, it spreads real quickly. You know, people get minor symptoms and and it moves on and everyone walks away kind of happy. The virus is happy. It got to replicate. And the host is happy that they didn't die and their immune system's a little stronger now. And it takes a lot, you know, it takes many generations, a lot of evolution to get to that point with a virus. And that's why whenever there's something new, it's like a population correction that has to happen. Wow. That's a, so, it's a, that, yeah, that's, that's good. So, I talked with Dwayne Knapper, uh, our musician friend, has been in Channel 501 before, and uh, he works in Cincinnati. He's a powder coater. They make uh, light, light poles. And he said he came into work, and he had a cough, and you know they sent him home. And he went home for three days. He uh, got on, on uh, he did a, a tele-doc, you know, and, and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, he got done. I think they gave him some antibiotics or something like that, and and, and he came back to work. He said he was working, and uh, they came up to him again, and they took him up to the office, and set him in this. They quarantined him, put him in an office because he he said he he said you know I felt better, I felt fine. He said I I was blowing my nose, and he was blowing his nose, and they grabbed him, sent him in a room, made him put gloves on, right? Nobody would touch him. Had him leave the property. Wouldn't let him open or touch any doors. As he walked out with the gloves they put on him. And they said, uh, go see a doctor. You know, you can come back when you go see a doctor. So he goes down to the dock in the box, full room. They're like, why are you here? And he's like, because work says that I have to come here. And they were like this. I guess she said, I wish they would stop doing that. She said, you see those other eight people? They're all here because work said, nope, you've got to go there. So she's like, and now, so that right there, like you were talking about in the overload, so right now we are also overloading doctors' offices sure. and you know I mean things there to where they're like he's like he he was like I didn't even have a temp he's like I didn't have a temperature I, well you know what I mean he was like right. he was like I was congested and the doc went through and they're like you know we can't give you a test for a corona they're they're like we we don't have that we can give you a test for strep we can give you a test for you know what I mean for the, the for, for the flu right? he was the... like uh, which they checked him out and they were like. You're okay now. He, I guess they, they were like they told him still stay off for a week, that they pay him to stay home for a week. But then now that was yesterday before when I talked to him. This is before Dewine came out, so we have to think about that too. We have to think about how we are overloading and we're transmitting colds, like you said, the great one. You know, what I mean, if you didn't have a cold and the doctor says you go in there, and my brother right. is worried to death about it. He works, you know, I mean, at, at Ariel, makes natural gas compressors. He said, Jared, if you sneeze or cough, dude, he's like, they're sending everybody home. I, I got to work. And he came to me, and I was like, now, here's one thing about me and my brother and my father and anybody else last name Blensky. Uh, we blow our nose all year round. Yeah. All year round. I got a box of tissues in my car next to my bed in my house, and and I, I'm always... 
Well, you know, there's a couple yeah. things that that, that uh, some thoughts I, that I triggered when you said all that stuff, and I'm gonna. It's a good way to sort of get to the end game on this one. But uh, we have, I have heard, a medical system that is perhaps the most used or even overused, generally speaking, than anyone else. And we have folks. Uh, Jeff, the beard, was actually talking to me. He he was talking to somebody overseas a few months ago that that lived, I think, in uh, Amsterdam, and and they were like they don't go to the doctor over there if you get a cold. And I know like, and to me, I always laugh when folks, Oh, I'm sick. I'm going to go to the doctor. I was like, what are they going to do for you, man? It's like, yeah. you're going to give it, you're right. going to, you're going to get some meds and you're going to be better in like uh seven to 14 days. Or you can you're just go overload on antibiotics so that when you need them, we have a major accident or if you're going in for surgery that right. they don't work on you. Right. Yeah. You know I mean, everybody's yeah. like, I'll oh, get a Z-pack. And, and I know people that would go to Mexico and and buy antibiotics to bring them back and and to have a stockpile of antibiotics sure, and i'm always yeah. like this you need to be sick sick i was a uh, look i've had the flu and it's different than what these people are experiencing right they get a sniffle yeah. and they're going in it's like i've had the flu and i haven't it's like i've been i couldn't even go to the doctor i was so sick i mean i did just lay there and, and deal with it a couple of years ago so and now we're going to have all those folks with a little bit of paranoia anyway yes. like going in and saying i got a cold what do i do and and the best you know, I started to read myself the symptoms, like what should you worry about? And and it really, what's your thought on that? Because that's a good maybe takeaway out of this whole mess. Like if you're, they say you blow your nose and well, it's like allergy season. I'd be blowing my nose anyway, or I got a little bit of post-nasal drip or I got a little head cold. I mean, that's not what we're looking for here, is it? No, it, if you're having trouble breathing, like if it's an effort to inhale, then you're sick. But if you feel like if you feel like crap and run down, you got a headache and a high fever, you know, ride it out like you normally do. But when, and that goes with infl- that pretty much goes with anything. If you're having trouble breathing, yeah. then that, that's, that's okay. Now you should go see a doctor. Yeah. I think we should remember or go, that. Or now, you should, now you should go to the hospital. Yeah. But it's you like, know? you can't go to the doc and get tested for this anyway at this point. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Correct. Stay home. Exactly. Because if you don't have it and you walk there or, you know, you walk in the hospital and there's all these sick, you're probably going to get it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, like, the, that's the other thing is yeah. you left, you left home feeling a little bit crappy and you come home feeling awful. Well, right? that was what the nurse told him when she was like, I wish they would stop it. Cause right. now you guys are sending them, you know, you're, they're sending everybody in here to share. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's why, you know, I'm worried about my mom going to see my dad in the hospital because, yeah. you know, the hospital he's in has 50 people in isolation with, with coronavirus. Well, and I guess one more, one more gear shift. Uh, and that is this, Jared, you said something else. I want to get you guys thoughts on this one. It's like, where do you think it is at the end of this? Have we changed forever? I mean, I, I, would, I remember seeing on TV after SARS or, or one of the other viruses where everybody in Asia was walking around wearing face masks and gloves and uh, I just wonder, is like, is that our future now? It's like you go to the zoo and there's half the people wearing face masks. Um, like, what does it look like at the other end of this, you think? Boy, I don't know. It's like, it's it's, like I won't touch you know, a doorknob and, and, now without worrying about it. I mean, I, honestly, I'm thinking about that every door yeah. I open, even in my own house. Well, that shorty, she was like this. She was like, I Lysol the remotes. I, I did all the doors, the light switches. And she's like. And me and you're the only two people that have been in here. Right. So and, and you're going to get it. If you're you, getting it, then you're yeah, going to fix it. Right? That, that's, you know, but still, that's just where it is. When I went to Costco, the amount of people wearing gloves and masks 
And then you get some of these little punk kids. I see the punk kids with their masks on and just acting like weirdos. And it's just, it's annoying. Um, so, and I don't know. And Shorty was like, how was it? Because she hasn't gone out. She's like, how was it? I was like, it was eerie. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up by saying this. You know, this this will pass. I mean, we're gonna get through this. It'll, there'll be something on yeah. the other side. It may be different for a while. It may be different forever. Probably in a good way. But I guess having studied history throughout time, even our own just recent history in the United States, it's like usually when we get over something like this, we we come back stronger and better uh, in a lot of ways. And I and I think that's probably true here as well. Uh, that doesn't mean don't take it seriously, obviously. And it doesn't mean that this doesn't suck for everybody. Believe me, I am. Uh, I'm feeling my uh, my own pain on it, and I'm doing this almost as uh, some therapy to, to keep me doing something while while I got the downtime. And uh, I guess I would just say we're all going to get through it. And I think Chris, your your point was a great one. Is like it's probably time now, at least where we are geographically, that everybody get behind this and and let's do what yeah. needs to be done. And the sooner we do that, the quicker we get on the other side of it. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. There's there's a big part of me that really hopes that Ohio comes through. And shows, you know, I mean, because I, 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 you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I was, I never wanted to move to Ohio. My family said we were moving to Ohio. Me and my brother were both like, that's north of Mason Dixon. Are you crazy? <laughs> and, and we moved here. And then everybody in my family, my dad's job kept, I stayed. And there's one thing that I found in Ohio, man. Ohio has a great work ethic. Yeah. I mean, as a whole, I found that everybody here is, 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 is hard workers, good people. A lot of good people in Ohio, so I guess let's all just let's bunker down, man. Yeah, everybody yeah. hunker down. And- yeah, to that to that point, DeWine and Bashir. So you got a Republican governor in a purple state and a Democratic governor in a very red state. They both have have really been on point. Yeah, you know? they, I mean they've done a just a really good job, and it's kept. You know, especially Ohio is a pretty populated state. The numbers are are are, are still pretty low because they took they 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 didn't jump the gun. They took action when they felt it was right. I, I was glad Dewine said, "Let's just push back the Democratic primaries a little bit." You know, he stuck to his guns. And even before and that, fact, with um, the Arnold, like he, you know, before even people were had even opened their eyes to this mess, we're canceling like the Arnold Festival, one of the biggest. I mean, this is a big economic right. thing for our state. In the first four tournament in Dayton, he said no, and it was unpopular, but it was leadership. And now, as time goes on, we're like, man, I'm glad he did that. Yeah, you know, and and Bashir did the same thing. He. You know, it's tough being a Democratic governor in a red state like Kentucky, but that's leadership. You, you know, you just say, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta do sacrifices. We gotta do it now." And I, I think that's kept the numbers relatively low in Ohio and Kentucky. Well, uh, let's hope that continues. And and you know, yeah. he, he is. It's almost like as a plan, he has tactfully uh, shut one thing down at a time or, or one, maybe not one thing at a time, but sort of close down activity. And as we narrow in on sort of the crucial moment here, we're shutting down completely. And I just feel mm-hmm. like I want the eye of the storm to come and go, you know, I just want it done. I want it to, it's, I feel like I'm in a hurricane here. Let's get it passed. We can rebuild. It's stressful yeah. times. Um, people are, have been uh, vaping a lot. And one thing I, I do think about too, is that if I totally cut them off and the gas stations open, 
How many people just are like this? I'll go get me a pack of smokes. Yeah, go grab the cigarettes. Because people that have the nicotine addiction are going to be, you know, they got their kids that won't listen. They're trying to get this report done over here and right. there. You know what I mean? They're going to be like, ah. I knew I quit the wrong week to quit <laughs> sniffing glue. Yes, that's it. <laughs> or maybe they'll start, but at least I got glue. Yeah, um, exactly. So, you know, I, I, it, there's a lot of decisions to be made. I hope that I make the proper ones. I, I hope that. Uh, you will, because you got no right answer here. You just got the best one. You know, that's the, that's the bottom line. Well, look, uh, I don't know where we're going from here. I think uh, I'd, we're going to keep recording on Lawyer Talk. And, uh, Doc, I'd love to keep you looped in like this. I mean, your insight into this, uh, for whatever it's worth, sort of cuts through all the nonsense and gives us, like, the easy, understandable scientific version of this that, that we can all get our heads around, sort of non-political, non-agended, and, and unbiased to the extent that you're unbiased. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I'd like to keep, I think, you know, people want to hear what we got to say. And I think we got to keep people company. Now, Jared and I, we probably won't be doing it at the same table here necessarily, but uh, uh, we're working here at the 511 to get things uh, remote as necessary. We're both going to take our microphones, our equipment with us. And, um, and uh, you know, we'll do our best to bring all the best content as we always do here at 511. So uh, this has been another riveting COVID-19 version of lawyer talk off the record on the air until now, everybody be safe.